he's going to get to be the dad that he's been dying to be. The incredible gift a Surrey man receives after surviving being crushed by a car in a freak accident two weeks ago. I don't understand how the truck was in the, uh, the wrong lane approaching the motor coach. The response from BC's trucking industry after a near miss caught on camera outside Revelstoke. I think it was uncalled for a shot like that. And the Canucks' top rookie sensation recovering after being flung to the ice during the Panthers game in Florida. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. Well, it's been an incredible and emotional surprise for a Surrey father who was crushed by a car in a freak accident a couple of weeks ago. His family thought he wasn't going to make it, but when he came around, he had no idea what he was about to be presented with. Nitu Gacha has his story. Okay, let's go see Daddy. A week ago, Jonathan Sedman, badly injured and barely responsive, had no idea he had become a dad this weekend. He finally got to meet his son. So John, how does it feel? Feels pretty good. The fireworks technician was flown to Vancouver General Hospital after he was critically injured in a freak accident at a racetrack on Vancouver Island. As he set up for the post-race pyrotechnics at Saratoga Speedway, one of the drivers lost control. The car flipped, landing right on top of him. Sedman's sister, Jennifer, says he broke five ribs, his pelvis and left hip. He ruptured his bladder and has a brain bleed. My biggest concern was that his brain was injured because there was that brain bleed. And the first couple times when he opened his eyes, I just thought, oh man, like this, this isn't him. His personality, he is not there. His family rushed to hospital to be by his side. But not long after, they had to rush to hospital for his pregnant wife, whose water broke. Hours later, Sedman's little boy was born. It was a joyous but devastating occasion. I thought he may not get to ever meet his son. They won't get to name the baby together. Like it, So that definitely made, that made up for kind of what's been going on, that he, that he got that moment. Jennifer Sedman says Jonathan's recovering in a special care unit at VGH, but even after two surgeries for a serious hip infection and the removal of his feeding tube, he still faces a long road to recovery. He's working on getting to the point where he can get to a sit-up position in a bed, but he's not even there yet because it, it's still quite painful. He's lost a lot of muscle mass, even just in his arms. So it's going to take some time, but we're, he's coming. We're getting there. Another silver lining, the newborn's mom and dad were able to name him together. And while there's no word on how long his recovery will take, Jonathan will get regular visits from his baby, Caden. Nitu Garcha, Global News, Vancouver. The head of the BC Trucking Association is speaking out after a near head-on crash between a commercial tractor trailer and a passenger bus that was all captured on chilling dash cam video. There were eight people on board this bus, terrified as the commercial truck veered into their lane and nearly hit them. This happened early last Sunday on the Trans-Canada Highway just east of Revelstoke. The RCMP are crediting the bus driver for likely saving lives by swerving to the side just in time to avoid a head-on crash. Fortunately, only minor injuries were reported. The commercial truck driver was issued with a violation ticket.
Oh, the first thing that went through my mind was just the shock and surprise. Uh, while it's uh, common for people to make mistakes, it looked like the, uh, the truck was relatively straight, uh, just in the complete wrong lane. And obviously the driving's a, a huge area of concern. I don't understand how the truck was in the, uh, the wrong lane approaching the motor coach. Uh, there didn't appear to be other traffic on the highway. I don't know if there was another obstacle, but certainly uh, it's inexplicable really at this point with the information that we know. Uh, the BCTA's uh, members are absolutely committed to improving safety on our roadways. Uh, we've been calling on government for many years to improve driver training and bring in mandatory entry-level training standards. BC's police watchdog is now looking into an early morning crash involving a Vancouver police vehicle. The VPD says one of its unmarked SUVs was heading west on Broadway near Renfrew at about 8 o'clock when it collided with a blue Suzuki. That car then hit a Ford Escape that was stopped at a light. Three drivers were taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. The cause of the crash is being investigated. The Independent Investigations Office has now been contacted. In Langley, a section of Willowbrook Drive near the mall was closed for several hours this morning after a vehicle rolled over. Police say five people were inside it just before 5am. That is when the driver lost control at a tight corner and flipped into a nearby parking lot. The driver and a passenger were rushed to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. The cause of this accident is being investigated. Vancouver police also investigating a stabbing that sent a woman to hospital. Officers were called to Cleden Court in the Champlain Heights neighbourhood. At about five this morning, a woman in her 20s was found there with stab wounds. Her injuries are said to be non-life-threatening. So far, no arrests have been made, but VPD say there is no risk to the public. I haven't had any problems. I mean, I leave my kid out here with other kids. They play all night. Or like, oh, sorry, all day till about like six, seven o'clock. Like it's quiet. There's trails here, nice people, dogs everywhere. Yeah. It's come as a shock to me. And in Kelowna, the RCMP are looking for a suspect in a random attack. A woman walking near Elliott Avenue and Richter Street just before midnight was followed for several blocks by a man. She soon felt threatened when he started chasing after her, tackling her and then dragging her onto a property. Fortunately, she was able to get away, jumping into the car of a passing motorist who had seen the man chasing her. The suspect did run away. He is being described as being in his early 20s with shoulder-length brown and black hair. He was also riding a skateboard, which police seized. If you uh, witness this or do recognise the skateboard, please do call the RCMP or Crime Stoppers. The clock is ticking down to pot legalization. Marijuana is going to be legal in Canada by Wednesday. It is the city of Kamloops that's going to be home to the government's first BC cannabis store. Unclear right now how well stocked it's going to be, but as Kristen Robinson now reports, the province's top cop is confident there is going to be enough pot for everybody who wants to buy it legally. What exactly is behind these windows remains a closely guarded secret. But the soon-to-open BC Cannabis store in Kamloops already drawing the curious. It is a novelty. Uh, you know, it will be the first in British Columbia. The former dollar store at Columbia Place Shopping Centre going green as the province's first government-run pot shop. 
provided counsel gives it the green light on Tuesday. This is really the final step in that licensing process. You deal with some legal matters. The city's mayor says they've been working on the legal weed business for more than a year, holding the necessary public hearings to establish zoning and licensing. And I think it's a reflection that uh, Kamloops is open for business. Some 20 employees will staff the 3,000 square foot space, with 18 part-time cannabis consultant jobs still vacant. The salary range, upwards of 20 to 23 bucks an hour. Applicants must have a passion for pot. NBC's top cop says there will be enough retail and online stock to meet demand. Some strains of varieties, you know, if, if they prove to be particularly popular, uh, you know, it's like a small-scale winery that they may run out. But the reality is we will have the largest uh, variety of cannabis uh, products available uh, anywhere in the country. More public and private stores will grow out of legalization as the province and local governments approve some of the 173 paid-up applications to run legal-licensed retail reefer outlets. Until then, this mall likely to see a lot more traffic starting October 17th. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And Canadian and American officials reminding everybody not to bring marijuana across the border. U.S. Customs and Border Protection say pot is still illegal under federal law. That the ban on importing it will be enforced. It's a warning that is being echoed by Canada's Consul General in Seattle. North of the border, south of the border, it all feels like home. So um, we're really concerned about people taking it for granted that it is an international border that they're crossing. And as far as our border patrol and border security are concerned, nothing is changing. So our, our messages don't cross with cannabis. And the days for certain types of cannabis advertising in Canada are numbered. Weed Maps ads are now scarce around Metro Vancouver, but in Port Coquitlam, you can still find a cannabis billboard on the Mary Hill bypass next to the train bridge. Experts saying the lead up to legalization is a bit of a gray zone, so companies are getting their message out before those new rules kick in on Wednesday. Under the Cannabis Act, it will be illegal to promote cannabis where there are grounds to believe it could be appealing to youth. You also won't be able to present pot or brand it in a way that makes it look glamorous. I think it will be an overnight change in the sense that um, the, the LPs are keenly aware that they are subject to a very specific set of rules as of, you know, 1201 on October 17th. So you will see um, websites will be changed over. I think you'll see uh, social feeds will be scrubbed. I think that what Health Canada has been signaling to the industry is willingness to work with LPs um, on a case-by-case -case basis to help them understand what is and isn't compliant before, you know, really dropping the hammer. And still ahead on the news hour tonight, Cannabis IQ. BC has the first university with a cannabis career training program. That is a little later on. Let's turn now to the civic election, which is now less than a week away. For some voters, BC's controversial school sexual orientation and gender, uh, gender identity identity policy, or as it's more commonly known as SOGI, has become quite the issue. It's despite the fact that it's a matter only the provincial government has jurisdiction over. Paul Johnson reports. Sexual orientation and gender identity. Chances are that phrase either got your attention or offended you. 
especially if you're against the teaching of so-called SOGI information in BC's public schools. Supporters feel like they're under such siege that they held this rally Sunday in Burnaby. Everybody that comes into a public school has a right to go to that school and feel as though they belong there. On the Bible's teaching on sexuality. What they're reacting to is this, the West Coast Christian Accord, an initiative by 180 B.C. pastors calling on Victoria to withdraw the curriculum. As ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are here today to say that we are opposed to students being taught lifestyles that the Bible calls sin. One of the members of that group is Laura Lynn Thompson, a former Christian broadcaster now running for a seat on the Burnaby School Board. She told Global News Sunday that Soji is a form of indoctrination. We will not remain silent as children are brainwashed. Opponents to the Soji curriculum told me that one of their big fears is what they call the social contagion factor, that if young people are exposed to knowledge about gay and transgender lifestyles, that'll increase the likelihood that they might become gay. So we came here to Vancouver's West End to ask some gay people what they think about that possibility. No, they, they, you don't become gay. Like, you don't get taught how to be gay. You either are or aren't. I know of no one who woke up one day and said, oh, I'm going to be gay today, and then decided that lifestyle for the rest of their life. I've never heard of anyone doing that. If you thought the culture wars were mostly over, the uproar over Soji is a reminder that even in B.C., there's still plenty to disagree about. Paul Johnson, Global News. Strong reaction from Canucks fans after star player Elias Pettersson suffered a head injury on the ice. This was at the game with the Panthers in mm -hmm. Florida. We're bringing Barry in on this uh, to explain what happened. Yeah, it's uh, obviously a very touchy thing for the Canuck Nation and uh, I think for media. It's kind of a strange situation, Sonny. It seems the people who are enraged the most about the Pettersson hit are the fans and the media, not the Canucks themselves. We're not talking about doing something reckless like Todd Bertuzzi did to Steve Moore. That is way over the line. But you have to immediately show that you're not going to tolerate your 155-pound 19-year-old superstar getting ragdolled in his fifth NHL game. And the Canucks just didn't do anything about it. They won the game. So what? It's October. Show the kid he'll be protected. Here's the play again if you missed it. And... Pedersen made Matheson look very foolish on this dangle in the third, and the Florida defenseman did not like it. And when he had the chance, he ran the young Swede hard into the boards. But uh, this is the dirty play right here. Slams him down, and his head hit the ice, left him woozy. He had to leave the game. He's going through concussion protocol. They'll have to assess him daily moving forward, but you'd have to say doubtful to play Tuesday in Pittsburgh. Matheson will have a hearing with the league by phone, meaning he could get suspended up to five games. He needs to get something, but the most egregious thing about this is the way the Canucks did absolutely nothing about it. What message does that send to the rest of the league? I think it says we're still a very soft team, and uh, you just can't push around your star player like that. Can you imagine if Connor McDavid would have got hit like that, what Milan Lucic would have done to him? Um, you know, like you were saying, you aren't asking the Canuck players to go over the line, but this is something where you get one opportunity to show you're going to protect what is really a franchise player, not just for this season, but for hopefully a decade or more to come. Right. And 
it, it just sends the wrong message. They had one chance to do it and they missed it and now the rest of the league says, well, I, you know, the Canuck players aren't going to do anything about it. Let's go after them. You, you, have, to, you have to protect your players. Hockey's a physical game and, and that's part of it. So yeah. I know a lot of people might think that's an overreaction, but all the good teams do it. We've seen examples of it. All the strong teams uh, don't let <laughs> other teams push their players around. Absolutely. Um, there has been lots of reaction mm -hmm. from uh, Canucks fans. Uh, let's see what they had to say. If it's anything to go by that, it would be probably pretty bad. Hopefully, be good. Hopefully, he's recovering well. I think it was uncalled for a shot like that. Yeah. You know, especially starting his career and everything, and taking a little hit like that is uncalled for. You know, and the, you know, hitting against the board is okay, but going down low like that's just uncalled for type of stuff. Welcome back. Well, Saudi Arabia's stock market plunged today after the U.S. threatened sanctions against the kingdom after questions still remain over missing journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Fears now that the crisis could escalate with well waves felt right across the world economically. Kelly O'Donnell reports. The haunting image, an international mystery with a growing demand for answers. And if he's not alive then it is the Saudis who would know what happened. We cannot have an ally who murders in cold blood in their own consulate. Fallout today. Saudi Arabia's stock market tumbled. Tech and media companies pulling out of a Saudi investment conference. The kingdom's American embassy tweeted, appreciation to all, including the U.S. administration, for refraining from jumping to conclusions. We're going to find out what happened. We're looking very hard. Missing 12 days, Saudi critic Jamal Khashoggi, a permanent U.S. resident and Washington Post columnist. Turkey's government says it has evidence he was killed by Saudi operatives. Former CIA director and NBC News analyst John Brennan. It would be inconceivable that such an operation would be run by the Saudis without the knowledge of the day-to-day -day decision maker of Saudi Arabia. That's uh, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. It's a great honor to have the Crown Prince with us. The president's close ties. I mean, I love Saudi Arabia. Add pressure to his pledge to deliver severe punishment if the Saudis are responsible. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin still plans to go to that Saudi conference next week. Along with the president and the general investigation, Mr. Mnuchin will make up his mind as the week progresses and as new information surfaces. An Australian woman is deserving of the Mother of the Year Award after she shielded her baby from a ferocious hailstorm. High winds and two tornadoes ripped a path of destruction across southeastern Queensland on Thursday, catching a lot of people by surprise. Fiona Simpson was driving with her four-month-old daughter and elderly mother when hail shattered the car's windows. Simpson used her body to shield the baby, the hailstones leaving her with welts and bruises. She she eventually drove to a nearby home and called an ambulance. Daughter Clara suffering bumps to her head, the grandmother spending the night in hospital. Take a closer look at this. It was a piece of plywood managing to slice the windshield in half as the car was travelling down Interstate 95 in Florida. These pictures captured by the Brevard County Fire and Rescue Team after a piece of plywood flew off a pickup truck and into the windshield. The driver in the incident, fortunately, was not hurt. 
Royal sweethearts Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have just started their 16-day tour of Australia and the South Pacific today. The couple arrived in Sydney for the first international tour since their wedding in May. In total, they have 76 engagements to fulfil in Australia, Fiji, Tonga and New Zealand. Their visit coinciding with the Invictus Games that happen in Sydney. Uh, they start next week. The sporting event, of course, was founded by Prince Harry in 2014. It gives sick and wounded military personnel and veterans the opportunity to compete in sports such as wheelchair basketball. And you're going to love this story. CCTV capturing the moment a giant python dropped through the ceiling of a bank in China during a morning meeting. It slithered behind a sofa. A staff frantically tried to flee. Wildlife experts were called and carefully bagged the python before taking it to a wildlife protection centre. Animal experts believe the python was hunting for food. No one was hurt and the bank soon returned to business as usual. Amazingly, it's the same bank branch that uh, was visited by another snake last year. All right. I have no idea what happened there. Yeah, what's going on? Two snakes. Two, two snakes. Are they I... leaving food out? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Or is there something that's the sort snake, of... But what do they eat? Like mice and stuff? I have no uh... idea. I'm glad they were able to catch it and no one was harmed. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Um, Weather-wise, what an amazing day again today. Hopefully you got out and enjoyed the sunshine. Yeah, it's fantastic out there. The weather picture, we've seen uh, plenty of sunshine. For the morning, though, a few spots across the province. Fog patches, it dissipates. We may have some valley cloud to talk about for the week, but a quick glance at some of the numbers and what we're seeing at this hour. 13 for areas near Nadvimo, Victoria at 12. Power River at 11 degrees in areas near Whistler currently sitting at 10. It is going to warm up above the average for a few spots. I'll show you where and how long will it last. That's the question that we've got. So we'll look ahead towards our work week forecast coming up shortly. Near Victoria have moved again. This time it is to a Ministry of Transportation property next to a busy highway. The roaming tent city has been on the move since being evicted from Regina Park in September. The campers were kicked out of another Ministry green space in Gold stream campground before moving to a private property in Saanich and then the public land behind the fire department yesterday. Now it's unclear if the Transportation Ministry is going to enforce the Trespass Act again. The Housing Ministry says all of the campers were offered shelter spaces and will be asked to leave the highway right of way. Hundreds enjoying an extended Thanksgiving on Vancouver's downtown east side today. More than 1,100 people sat down at the Salvation Army Harbour Lights for a turkey meal with all the fixings. The meals are funded by private donations. The Salvation Army holding their Thanksgiving dinner a week later so it doesn't overlap with other festive meals that happen in the neighbourhood. There have been many Thanksgiving meals like this served uh, on Thanksgiving and, and throughout this week. Um, but I think what we need the public to really appreciate is the fact that, you know, the folks that we're looking uh, out for here are in some really difficult uh, situations in life, you know. Uh, people are being pushed out of uh, rental uh, accommodations because of the, the, the skyrocketing rents, the, 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 well, the, the zero vacancy rates that we're finding here in Vancouver and in the Valley, um, and, and just struggling to make ends meet. 
Well, you're going to hear a lot about the legalization of pot, which is coming up in a few days over the next uh, few days. But what it has done is opened up a whole new career path for a lot of people. Lower Mainland University was the first in the country to offer a program in cannabis career training, as our Tanya Beja now reports. It's hoped these courses are going to help graduates get ahead of the curve in a brand new industry. Chris Orth used to work as a lifeguard until a career in cannabis came calling. To clone them, we'll just cut the top, put them in some rooting gel. I think it's going to be a huge industry and uh, I wanted to be here to see it start and grow. Orth is now a grower at Zanabis, tending to marijuana plants from seed to sale. It's definitely not prepared for the, uh, the amount of documentation and everything that we have to do. It's quite extensive. There's a lot of red tape that Health Canada requires us to, uh, to abide by. Orth turned to Kwantlen Polytechnic University for help learning the ropes of the budding industry. Kwantlen's online cannabis career training program was the first of its kind in Canada. We're teaching students uh, sort of a fundamental understanding of, of cultivation, finance, marketing, uh, all within the regulated environment and how to work within it. The courses cover everything from the history of prohibition to marijuana handling and customer service. And with legalization looming, the program's popularity is on the rise. The demand for the courses has been very high and has been increasing significantly over the past number of months. And, and really, I think it's indicative of uh, sort of how quickly this industry is expanding. Some estimate that Canada-wide, the cannabis industry could add 150,000 jobs over the next few years. We're getting a lot of interest from those in the pharmaceutical industry uh, to join and those uh, even the regulated sectors like uh, alcohol. Blisco CEO Damien Kettlewell helped develop some of the courses at Kwantlen. He expects to double his own workforce from 15 to 30 over the next year as the company moves from production of strictly medicinal to recreational products. Really the future, uh, we believe, is in oils and extracts and consumables. Having that uh, chemistry background will be helpful as well. As for Orth, he says he's enjoying the switch to a career with plenty of room to grow. I'm always learning something and being challenged here every day. Tanya Beja, Global News. All right, I hope you had a chance to go out and enjoy the sunshine earlier today. Everyone has got all of the details right now, and I'm hoping for some good news over the next few days. Yes, the sunshine is going to continue. Beautiful weather picture right now. We're looking overlooking English Bay with the sunset. Uh, temperatures are currently sitting at 11 degrees with a light northwesterly wind at 6 kilometers per hour. A couple of photos to share. This was from yesterday in Ladner. Caroline sending us, uh, sending us the sunset there. So spectacular. And this one was so cute that I had to share it. It was sent near Eagle Bay. Elizabeth sent us this baby porcupine, Sonia. Very cute, adorable. If you do want us to send in your photos, you can email us at weatherwindow at globalnews.ca. All right, back to the temperatures today. 14 was the high away from the water, close to 17 and 18 degrees, and it's going to be a touch warmer for tomorrow. I'll have those numbers in just a moment. Average sits at 13 and a record of 19 degrees back in 1945. 13 was the high today for Kamloops areas near trail closer to 14 single digits for Cranbrook at 8 degrees the piece though getting into the double digits at 12 and Victoria today closer to 15 degrees still sitting at 12 degrees for North Van Coquitlam Burnaby at 13 degrees Pitt Meadows with your current temperature at 14 Langley 15 10 for areas near Hope and Chilliwack at 15 Kamloops now sitting at 9 degrees with Quinnell at 11 and Tofino at 13 satellite and radar the one area across the province will be the extreme northwestern corner. We could still see some shower activity and a chance of shower.
hours. Most areas, however, putting the future cast into play, especially for the central and southern half of the province, will continue to see dry conditions with a fair bit of sunshine. This is the ridge of high pressure, the dominant feature that's been giving us the sunshine. It builds in very strong for next week and continuing by next weekend and we could even see it into early next week. So a great stretch of warm weather, but the big weather picture or story will be for the northeastern corners with the peace tomorrow. The winds are going to ramp up westerly, sustained at 20, but gusts between 40 and up to 60 kilometers per hour. Whitehorse, we're looking at the winds also with gusts of up to 60, more sunshine for both your Tuesday and Wednesday. North Coast, two more dry days. A change on the way will be on your Wednesday with the return or the chance of showers. Caribou and Central Interior, it's going to be chilly overnight with the risk of frost. 14, though, by the afternoon and a mainly sunny sky. Columbia and Kootenai Region seeing some fog patches for the morning. Sunshine by the noon hour up to 15. Similar for the Thompson Okanagan, we could see some valley cloud developing over the next few days with that ridge that's going to continue to build in very strong. Whistler will bump up a balmy day tomorrow up to 19 degrees, well above your average that sits at 11. And across the island, the southern and eastern sections also seeing that high of 19. Areas away from the water across Metro Vancouver will be up to 20 degrees. It is fantastic. Our seven-day forecast, plenty of sunballs, sunshine as we look ahead, even leading in towards next weekend. Sonia, back to you. Looks fabulous. Thank you very much for that. All right, a teenager from Kelowna declaring a war on food waste. He's managed to get hundreds of thousands of signatures on a petition that he is now set to present to the Federal Agriculture Minister in Ottawa later this week. Global's Megan Decato now reports on what he wants grocery stores to do. Well, we're currently looking at the petition that launched in January of 2018. Uh, to the Minister of Agriculture. Less than a year later, the 17-year-old Kelowna High School student is preparing to deliver his petition in person to the Federal Agriculture Minister at a meeting on Tuesday. Doing that will mean boxes and boxes of pages because Justin Kulik's online petition has over 160,000 signatures. The ask of my petition is that supermarkets and grocery stores uh, be barred from wasting unsold but still edible food uh, and instead donating it to uh, charities such as food banks. The teen got the idea after seeing a friend's post on social media. She shared uh, a video on Facebook mm -hmm. uh, explaining uh, the in-depths of uh, food waste in Canada. I saw this and I was shocked so I did some more research on my own and I was like okay let's change this. <laughs> It's an idea that's been embraced in Quebec, where a province-wide system to send unsold produce to food banks was set up. And there are examples across Canada of individual stores and chains donating unused food products to charity. But if donation was mandated nationwide, there would be costs involved in transporting and storing the food. A way to go around this is to offer tax rebates to uh, grocery stores, supermarkets that are able to fulfill this. Now Kulik is prepping to make his case to the minister when change.org, the website where he started his petition, flies him to Ottawa this week. I'm feeling optimistic. Uh, there are, of course, two ways that this could go. And he doesn't want his age to distract from the issue. However people treat me is how they treat me. All I know is what I'm there to do. And what I'm there to do is to make real change. If it's not a yes right away, Kulik says he plans to follow up down the line to see if progress is being made. 
Megan Turcato, Global News, Kelowna. Monday, cannabis, investment, or gamble. The risk is everywhere for these stock prices being at high valuations now and whether these valuations are justified. Consumer Matters, Monday on Global News Hour at 6. All right, we talked earlier about uh, Canuck star player Patterson getting mm -hmm. injured, and still this is rumbling on and on. Yeah, it's that's go right. I'll do more ranting, I think. We're, well, we want to know what's well, going on, I yeah. I think it's, uh, this is uh, you know, a hot-button issue around it is. here. It's been an issue, I think, with this team for a while. The kind of style they play, even in their cup years, I thought they were a, a bit too soft. All right, here we go. Uh, thanks very much, Sonia. Elias Patterson's status is unclear right now. He's going through concussion protocol after being, uh, being thrown to the ice in last night's 3-2 win in Florida. We should get an update tomorrow, but you would think the impressive rookie will miss some games. Almost as bad as the injury, though, is the Canucks' lack of response to a dirty play. The fan base is enraged. Media can't believe they did anything. The Canucks themselves were very restrained after the game, but honestly, sometimes you just got to go off. Fines, suspensions, who cares? Show your young superstar you got his back, and this will never, ever be tolerated. Here is the play again. Pedersen showing his dazzling skills, made Mike Matheson look foolish, and the Panthers defenseman did not like it, and he slammed Pedersen hard along the boards here, which isn't the worst play, but it's this throwdown right there. Pedersen was off balance, and his head bounced off the ice. He's only 155 pounds. Incredibly, not one Canuck did a thing about it. That response has to be immediate. It's October. Who really cares about the points? Show you will not tolerate uh, your franchise star getting abused like that. Matheson will have a hearing tomorrow with the NHL and could get a small suspension, but the Canucks flunked this test badly. Their soft image took another hit. Don't let that happen again. Next game is Tuesday in Pittsburgh. We'll show you some NHL action tonight. Rod Brindamore's Carolina Hurricanes off to a 4-0-1 start, taking on the Jets. No goals until the third. Patrick Lyonnais in his office on the power play. Slams it home there to make it 1-0 Jets. Carolina tied it, but then just moments ago, Brian Little snaps it in 2-1, and we believe that has just turned final for the Jets as they hand the Canes a loss. And we'll show you some Sharks and Devils. New Jersey yet to lose, but they've only played twice after starting the season in Sweden against the Oilers. Down in the second, but they'll tie it on the power play. Taylor Hall to Kyle Palmieri. Fires it past Martin Jones. Fifth goal in three games for Palmieri. Ties it at one. Third period, they're down again, but they tie it again, and it's Palmieri. This time in front, chips it over Jones for his sixth goal in three games, challenging Austin Matthews in the goal-per-game category early. And then two minutes later, Taylor Hall to Mirko Mueller, who shot a stop, but Jean-Sebastian D taps in the loose puck. Devils remain perfect 3-0 after edging the Sharks 3-2. And in the Western Hockey League, just finished in Victoria, Giants get two goals from Milos Roman and hand the Royals their first loss of the season despite 37 saves from Griffin Outhouse. So the Royals and Giants look like two of the top teams in the Western Hockey League this season. The Seahawks have a road-heavy first-half schedule as it is. This week they took it up a notch as they jetted off to jolly old London, England to take on the Raiders, one of three NFL regular season games being played at Wembley Stadium this year to grow the game in Europe. The Raiders are a bad football team, and the Seahawks, I think, have pleasantly surprised some people how much they've improved over their first couple of games. Seattle rolled to an easy 27-3 win to improve to 3-3 on the season. 
Hawks very nearly knocked off the first place Rams last week and they controlled this one start to finish. First quarter, Russell Wilson to Jerron Brown for the touchdown. 7-0 Seattle. And then in the second, Wilson fumbles the shotgun snap, but recovers and then with great poise will throw a perfect strike on the run to David Moore, who gets both feet down before going up and over the top rope. Seahawks built up a 17-0 lead. And uh, really, as mentioned, never in danger of losing this one. The offense was in sync. The defense had David Carr on the run all day. They got to him six times. Seattle defense held Oakland to just 185 net yards. They had been averaging 400. Meanwhile, Wilson and Doug Baldwin rekindled their magic. Baldwin, six catches on the day, none better than this one that gave Seattle a first down inside the 15. But... They could have scored 40 today, but uh, some penalties and then this, really the only mistake Wilson made all day, tries to force it into Baldwin again, intercepted by the Raiders. But in the fourth, Wilson with another perfect throw while on the move, this time to Tyler Lockett. Wilson, three TD passes. Seahawks, 369 yards offense, including 155 on the ground. Seattle gets the bye next week. They are now 3-3 three and three, and certainly in the wild card hunt. Show you some more NFL. NFC West leading Rams trying to stay perfect. Visiting the Denver Broncos second quarter. Rams going for it on fourth and inches. Big Todd Gurley not only gets the first down, he gallops 10 yards into the end zone for the touchdown. 13-3 L.A. at the half, but Denver hung tough. Down 10 late, but Case Keenum to Demarius Thomas for the TD. Cut the lead to three, but they couldn't recover the onside kick. 23-20 for the Rams, as they are a perfect 6-0. Jaguars and Cowboys from Dallas, and it was all Cowboys. A bit of a shock. Second quarter, Dak Prescott to Cole Beasley for the 17-yarder. Like the Seahawks, Dallas off to a slow start, but showing maybe they're a little better than people thought they were. 17-0 at that point, and then late in the half, same combination. Prescott, with all sorts of time, finds Beasley again. Cowboys impressively wallop the Jags 40-7, and Dallas, like the Seahawks, are now 3-3. Three three. The Lions showed some real character last night in Calgary. They almost self-destructed late in the first half, giving up two quick touchdowns after turnovers, but they showed a lot of resolve and held the Stamps to just a field goal the rest of the way in a huge 26-21 win that keeps them in control of making the playoffs with just three more games to go. The Lions have now won five of six, and this man, Terrell Sutton, makes them even more dangerous going forward. The former Alouette in his Lion debut rushed for 106 yards and two DDs and gave them the tough north-south running that they really need right now. And he's excited to be a Lion. And that defense made Bo Levi Mitchell look very ordinary. First win in Calgary in four years. Lions are now eight and seven with a crucial showdown with the Eskimos this Friday at BC Place. The Lions win, they'll pretty much clinch a playoff spot. I mean, it's huge. Um, this is a team that's been the cream of the crop in the league the last few years, so for us to win here um, is big for us regardless of the circumstances. So uh, it happened to come at a time when our team really needs it. Um, of the teams in the West still winning, we're in a, a dogfight, right? So every single week's hugely important. Um, tonight was a big one for us. Welcome back. When David Price signed a seven-year, $217 million mega contract with the Red Sox back in 2015, he joked at the time, that he was saving his first playoff win as a starter for the Red Sox Nation. Well, three years later, 
everyone is still waiting. Price, who got lit up in his only playoff start this year, is an astonishing 0-9 with an ERA over 6 in his Major League playoff career. This from a guy who has 143 regular season wins over 10 seasons. Price needed to get off to a good start, but couldn't do it. Gave up two in the second, and then Marwin Gonzalez crushes a towering two-run shot over the Green Monster in the third, and the Astros led 4-2. But unlike previous starts, Price did get some offensive support. Bases loaded for Jackie Bradley Jr., and he slices one off the Green Monster. All three runs score. Red Sox lead 5-4. Price got pulled after four and two-third innings, so he well, the winless streak will continue. He'll get a no decision, but the Sox are leading 5-4 in the seventh. Back to the NFL, AFC North rivals, Steelers and Bengals from Cincinnati. Bengals leading the division at 4-1. Fourth quarter, Bengals down six, but with just a minute 18 to go, Joe Mixon takes it in for the touchdown, and the Bengals lead 21-20, but still lots of time left for Ben Roethlisberger, and Big Ben breaks Bengal hearts yet again, reads the blitz perfectly, quick slant to Antonio Brown, 31-yard touchdown with just 10 seconds left, and the Steelers win at 28-21. They're 3-2-1. and one. Bengals drop to 4-2. And, and the Browns and the Chargers. Cleveland looking for their third win of the season. All Browns games have been decided by four points or less this year, but today they looked like the old Browns. Second quarter, Phillip Rivers to Terrell Williams, who wins the tussle for the ball. That's a touchdown, 45-yarder, 14-3 Chargers, and then late in the half, it's Rivers to Williams one more time. Chargers jolting the Browns back to earth, 38-14 the final, so the Browns are two three and one and LA a solid four and two just getting some breaking news there coming into us right now Lions Bay search and rescue crews are trying to rescue two women who have been trapped on a cliff near Cypress Mountain on a trail called Unnecessary Mountain they were part of a group of four hikers the two men in the group had managed uh, to get out but two women were reported missing at around uh, after four this afternoon Lions Bay search and rescue say they don't know if the women are hurt and are going to attempt a long line rescue we'll have more coming up on uh, BC1 and news at 11. All right. <laughs> okay. Now finally, we can scooch in. Right. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Finally tonight, you, thank you for being quiet. Uh, you've probably carved many pumpkins over your time, but have you ever done it underwater? <laughs> Uh, that's what a group of daring scuba divers did in the Florida Keys. They went down 30 feet, artists of all ages, using dive knives to turn their pumpkins into sea creatures. A big part of this challenge, of course, is that pumpkins are quite buoyant, so they do tend to float away. Uh, they kept an eye on these while they were getting creative. Pretty cool. Also, the hard part is to keep the candle lit under there. Yes. Like really, really hard, unless you have the water retardant flame, which is good. Exactly. <laughs> Only you would think of that. Thank you. Um, a quick look at the weather as well for the next few days, in case you missed it earlier. Yes, your long-range forecast, it's fantastic. Temperatures are really going to start to bump up. The interior sections will also be a couple of degrees above. Tomorrow, range between 15, that's if you're by the water, and areas away up to 20 degrees. So, so far, that seven-day forecast looking great. So, for our work week, fantastic and potential until the next weekend as well that is incredible enjoy that we'll see you tonight at 11 thank you very much for keeping us company over the last hour good night good night good night